we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckinistas? What the fuckstables? That's enough. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for tuning in. Always a pleasure to have you here. If you're listening, fuck, can you smell that? Of course you can't. That's a ridiculous question. Interesting show today. Great show today. We've got the yin and yang here today. We've got uh, Tony Clifton. Uh, I caught up with Tony Clifton at the Comedy Store preparing to... uh, He was rehearsing for some big shows he's got coming up. And, uh, And Craig Finn from The Hold Steady... Great band, great guy. This couldn't be more yin and yang. God damn it. I can't, you know, I, you, there are some things you just can't get the stink off of ever. Okay? Ever. Now, that's, that's, a, that's a literal thing, and that's a, that is a, a metaphoric thing. It's a soul thing. It's a, it's a broad, broad piece of poetry. But it all starts with Boomer. Boomer, uh, I guess I left the door open out here. And I don't know, I, I've talked to you about this before. There's a reason Boomer doesn't come into my house, and that's because he pees on things. He sprays things. He's a neutered cat, but they couldn't take away that need, that deeply wired need to pee on my stuff. And there are just some things you can't get the stink off of ever. He came in here, and I, I walked, I, I didn't see him do it. You never see him do it. But I walked out here to do some stuff, to go through my books, and I smell that smell. It's an undeniable smell. As a cat owner, you know that smell. As a cat hater, you know that smell. As someone who's not either way on cats, and you walk into a house, you know that smell. It is the smell of cat spray. I've smelled it before many times. And it was in my garage, and I had managed to rise above. That happens occasionally. So I had to track it down. It was fresh. I found the pee. He peed on my uh, on a plastic crate, so I lucked out, but it still had that stink. And if that stinks on something solid, something absorbent, like uh, let's go through the list of shit that he's ruined, like three pieces of luggage, four pieces of sh- uh, four pairs of shoes, a few uh, baking utensils. This cat is prolific with his piss, and he's back at it. So now I had to snap into action, got some Windex, got wiped it down, found the pee, hosed down the plastic piece, got a little on the rug. That's what I'm worried about. So what I did is I shut the doors of the garage, got some Nog Champa. Always go for the Nog Champa. When you need to smell some shit out or get the smell out of some shit, Nog Champa that place, man. Now look, Nog Champa's got its own stink on it. It's a great smelling thing, great smelling incense, the best incense, the best Nog Champa is made by a... Uh, Satya Sai Baba's organization. I didn't know he just passed away. The guru with the afro, for those of you who are old enough to remember pictures of uh, Sai Baba. But I guess he's dead now. And he is making things smell better around the world for hippies and potheads. So I knocked Champa this shit. There's some things you can't get the stink off of ever. Look, Boomer's wired to do that. He doesn't make a choice. The choice is within him. He has no choice. He's wired to pee on my shit to make it his shit. But the stink, the stink of someplace. Like I went over to the comedy store to see Tony Clifton. There's a seediness to it. There's something coming off of things that is dark. And that's the stank. That's the funk. And the weird thing is I'm attracted to that funk. I'm attracted to it. 
to that particular type of darkness, to that seediness. It goes all the way back to when I was a little kid and my parents took me to see Jackie Vernon at the Hilton Hotel in Albuquerque, New Mexico, 11 years old, sat front and center, and I watched this comedian. I watched this old man in a tux that was too tight because he was bursting out of it in his fat face, and he was sweaty, and he was had his hair combed over, and I could see all of it. And he was talking into that mic, and he was getting laughs, but I knew something else was going on. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I said, I don't know what's going on there, but I want to be part of that. That guy has been able to navigate the stink. He's been able to navigate the funk, the seediness. He's a man that can walk through those worlds and make sense of it. That was always the dream. I want to be part of that. And look, not unlike a cat, we all are wired to do certain things, spray, to metaphorically spray and fuck things up for people, fuck up people's property, fuck up people's lives, fuck ourselves up in the process. And you can scrub that shit off in the form of of an apology, a present, some flowers, any number of ways, but it may never go away. There's always going to be a hint of the stink that you left. And you're probably not going to be able to transcend that. Some cases, maybe. Some cases, not. Always going to be a hint of stink there. But that's why places that are shamelessly stinky are so compelling. So I go over to the comedy store because I got an email from... uh, Tony Clifton's uh, assistant, Mike, said, come on down, see Clifton. He wants to meet you. I'd never met Tony Clifton. So I drove with my equipment down to the comedy store, and I went into that main room, and there was one of the kings of stink, kings of the seedy, kings of the underside, Tony Clifton on stage with his band and his dancing girls doing a number. And uh, he sounded good. Let's go now to the comedy store, 4.30 in the afternoon. And my conversation with Tony Clifton. Okay, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm at the comedy store. I'm, uh, I got to interview uh, Tony Clifton to see what's happening. And uh, they're rehearsing. Okay, all right, I'm... Uh, I'm a little nervous, but uh, let's uh, let's sneak in here. Okay, ready, ladies and gentlemen. I had the uh, good fortune to be on the Dave Letterman show. Brought the fucking house down. Hey, come on, man! I'm fucking talking to the audience. All fucking day like this, man. Huh? Sir, sir, is right. Okay. I caught my famous medley, hit it.
Mr. Clifton. I'm good. How are you, man? Thanks for doing this for us. Yeah, I uh, I don't think we met before. No. Nice to see you. I know, but I, I hear you on the radio all the time, man. That's I very nice. Really took off. Yeah, you want to? I you know I, I forgot. fucking amazing. So I just you want to do, do it here? Maybe someplace that's more quiet. What do you want? Go backstage? Yeah, let's go backstage. Hey, check these babes out. Hey, hey, girls. Want you meet a friend of mine? Hi, What's how are you? Again? Mark. Mark. Hi, Hi nice I'm to meet you. Nice, great Hi, job. Great job. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Very nice to meet you. Good show. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go back here. It's quiet. All right. You take this one. Try that one. Is that yeah. doing it? Test, That's test. good. That looks good to me. Okay, testing, testing. Yeah, it's good. Tony Clifton here. Okay, yeah. I'll let you do it. All right. So uh, yeah, 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 Zamuda yeah. told me that uh, we're going to. He's gonna... a fuck. The Buddha, that fucking guy. What'd he tell you? He told me that, that we could do this. He kept Yeah, they said after the comic league to help to move tickets. Well, now, look, just to put you in Are you going to air this before that, before that we have the show at least? Or there's no sense me doing this? Are you going to put this on? Yeah, I, well, that was the plan. Well, what date? When is this show? Well, the show's going to start the 31st of this month. So May 31st. May 31st is this Thursday night and then Friday. And we're going to be here every fucking Thursday and Friday. For how long? We're going to be here every Thursday and Friday, forever. For, for as long uh, as people keep coming. Right, people are going to come and they're going to keep coming. Because you saw, hey, what did you just see I, on stage? I, I, to be honest with you, your voice sounded great. Thank you very much. It sounded great. And I don't know what the hell the... Because uh, I wasn't drinking today. Well, people are worried about whether or not you're going to pull it off or what. Well, I will pull it off. I mean, as you know, I got the pacemaker now and everything. I know, but there's been a lot of bullshit. I mean, you know, the, yeah, the like people... Such as what? What? Well, people are like, if, is fucking Clifton going to snap? Is he going to make a fool out of himself? Well, is listen, he going to cause I'm, trouble? I'm, 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 what the thing is this. If I stay... If I, I, if I drink properly yeah you know, i do drink during the show yeah. the whole idea if i don't start yeah you know i'm with icm they tell me tony don't go start start if you're gonna drink i am gonna fucking drink yeah I'm i get it, frank, I get Sinatra. it. Yeah, yeah. frank you know what frank said the frank you did you know frank i knew frank but frank said he felt sorry for people who didn't drink because when they woke up in the morning that's as good they're gonna fill off fucking day yeah <laughs> can i swear on this fucking day do whatever you want i can man. I, yeah yeah yeah, yeah but i gotta be honest with you because some people there's a lot of controversy about this and i want to make this clear Right. I am all right. I, hey, girls! Come on, man. I'm being fucking interviewed. Close the fucking door here. What did sit in here? No, well, no, you're not in here. Go close the door. You don't have to be in here. Look at that. Look at these bodies. Yeah, what, I know. Describe these girls to your listeners there. It's, it's hard to describe, but I think perfection, like in every way, all of them, is the only way to describe this. I can't even fucking these take it. These are the Cliftonettes, man. Yeah, you, they look good up there. Yeah, yeah. How the hell they put up with your shit every day? I'll never understand. I pay them good, right? Is I that pay you good. Don't I treat you? Hey, hey, hey. Okay, get the fuck out of your left. Get out the door. Seriously, get out the door. Get out because we're gonna talk here. It's a pleasure. Go, 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 go. Oh yeah, she's gorgeous. That's my yeah. my dance cap. Let's just do a little uh, a little okay. a backstory because I yes, want to put you into context. You know, many okay. people know that uh, yeah, you had a relationship yeah, yeah. with uh, Andy Kaufman. Kaufman, the Jew. Well, I, I don't. I, I, you're not him, though. No, 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 fuck, no, 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 no. Here's what happened. Here's the here's where the controversy started. Yeah. 
Kaufman in 1969, yeah. before he was Andy Kaufman famous, he hitchhiked from Great Neck. You're a Jew kid. You're a Jew boy. No, I know. know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you know what's the difference between a Jew and Santa Claus? What? Santa Claus comes down the chimney. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I can make the joke because yeah. you know, I had a relative who died in Auschwitz. Sure. Yeah, he I mean, fell off the guard tower. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah all right. So anyway. Yeah. But enough with the cheap uh, Shecky yeah. Green jokes. No. No. That, were they Shecky jokes or just? I don't stock? know. I steal them. I don't yeah, give a fuck. I know. I'm a singer. I don't. I just throw them in the air. So anyway, Kaufman. So he came 1969. Yeah. He came over to Las Vegas. Right. To see Elvis. Prince I heard this story. Yeah, already. yeah, yeah. And then he saw me. Right. He stayed there that night. He yeah. saw me. Yeah. He came and saw me. And then he started doing an impression of me. This right. is what happened. Okay. And then by the time I got my Jew lawyer on top against his Jew lawyer, right. they decided, hey, we can't get away with this. So then I started performing for him. So I would go on fucking TV, Letterman, yeah. uh, Merv Griffin, remember sure. Merv, Mike Douglas show, yeah, Mike all that Douglas. stuff. Yeah. Then yeah, I'd sure. go do it. Yeah. And it was me and Coffin would be right. home laughing his ass off. But right. people think it was him. So we became yeah. friends. And then, of course, after his death, right. right here at the comedy store, one year later. So he's dead. Oh, he's dead as a fucking door. No, right. Damn right. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll be on stage and somebody yell out, uh, Kaufman, Kaufman, you Andy Kaufman. You know what I say? What? I say, you want to see Kaufman? Get yourself a shovel and a flashlight. <laughs> what so, the fuck are you to do? Crazy. Wait, or I'll throw him out. Or I'll fucking I, push so, the face uh, in All right, suit. so what about Zamuda? Zamuda? No, that guy, no, he's that fucking guy. He did an impression. He terrible, terrible fucking impression. Me. Let me yeah. tell you that. All right, all right. Then you had Jim Carrey in the movie. Yeah, Man on the moon. He didn't impress me, and all said, "Oh, the guy Paul Giamatti." Yeah, he did one. But so that, a lot of I, people don't impress. But I'm the original. I'm the guy. If I you look it. back, if you look back on Merv, on Letterman, on yeah. Miss Biggie, right. you will see me. Right. And you, and Zamuda had nothing to do with it. No, he every once in a while he. Why would are fuck, you so fucking mad at Zamuda? Because he's a fucking stupid piece of Polish shit. All right. All right. Hey, hear about the Polak? His wife had triplets. No, he went out looking for the two other guys. Oh yeah. <laughs> Polish parachute. What? Opens on impact. Okay, good. Polish firing squad. What? They stand on a circle. Okay, you're okay, hilarious. Okay, they hilarious. have to dump them. You got tons of Polish Hilarious joke. for a singer. Fucking yeah. Okay. I know, yeah, I know. Thank you. Thank I don't you. want to be disrespectful. Okay, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you've got a, a, a reputation of being volatile. You Only fucking... when I drink. Only when I drink, so and now, that's the what, booze. What time is it now? It's 4.20. Yeah, okay. You all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I had maybe a few. Nips, yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, but now that rehearsal's over, I will drink. I, I got to tell you, that show looks great. Thank you very much. You and come, you, yeah. You why don't you get we get you on stage? What am I going to do on stage? Come do some of your act. What, and then what happens? You're going to come out in the middle of it and start strutting around like no, an no, asshole. no. I'll leave you alone. I'll just introduce you. Do your thing. I know. I'll leave how you clean on stage. How can I trust you? I've seen you in I mean, the I'll green be, room. I've seen you know yeah, there yeah, people yeah, yeah. right well, about that's, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but for you, but you do good promotion for me. I'm not going to fuck with you. Yeah, some right. guy that's not going to do anything for me. Trying to smell my ass. Paulie Shore's been coming here. Did you saw those dames I got on? Yeah, he's. I've never seen him in this fucking club. He's fucking sitting there back to rehearsals. He's, no. he's singing yeah. now at the end of the show. Yeah, he's singing it, yeah. Did you see that? He's doing a song at the end. Are you serious? Yeah. From what, in his act? Yeah. You're full shit. He can't sing. What the I, fuck's he going to sing? I don't know what he's doing. He's you singing, be though. fooling me. He's singing. No, I'm, I'm absolutely. Like, what the fuck's his world coming to? So what, what, can, uh, what can people expect from this uh, from the Tony Clifton show? Well, you got, well, like the sign says, you look past the comedy store and it says, music, mayhem, and sexual anarchy. Right. That's the one thing I'm pushing. You know, everybody's yeah. pushing something. Yeah. That's the one thing I could do yeah. that nobody else can do. Because yeah. I don't give a shit. So what and you'll never you see how to go. Because I know that yeah. something's going to f- get fucked up. I mean, what's going to throw you off? Nothing. I mean, I'm not. No, I do not start my show starting to do trouble. If you think you're going to come to a show and you're going to see me. Start, no, because that would be too well, What pisses you off? What if I came and said, you're a fraud, you fuck? 
But if you start yelling like that, yeah. oh, oh, well, then there would be fucking trouble. I fucking, it, luckily, luckily, the fucking security guys here will grab you and throw your ass out before I, or I'll go for you. All right. Because I don't need, I don't need, I don't, I don't like that Kaufman stuff and all that fucker. That, that, all you right, know, so what we've learned here. He was riding Co- my coattails long enough. All right, so Kaufman's dead. Zamuda's an asshole. You're yeah. back. You're better Danny than ever. Danny DeVito's an asshole. Why is Danny DeVito That's because he was a, treated me like a piece of shit on the movie Man on the Moon. Did you see me in Man on the Moon? I saw someone doing you, right? He did an impression of me, but then at the end, the last thing, they let me actually appear on stage at the end. That last ending of Man on right. the Moon, I Will Survive, that's me on stage singing here. Okay. And that's it. And DeVito pissed you off how? He's a little fucking midget is what he, you know, right. he's a, You know, he's a legal, this, I'm not joking, he's a legal midget in eight states. In eight states. Eight states he's legal midget. I think one, it's seven now. And you know, but it's sad, folks. Just a couple of weeks ago, he was in uh, Venice, California. Yeah. Did you? I'm not joking. No, was, did you see that some guy, uh, uh, some guy tried to mug him? Yeah. Yeah. How low can you stoop? Yeah. <laughs> you walked into that yeah, one, didn't you, did. my friend? Yeah, I did. I'm dying. You come on, come on, you come on, stay. Come to the show. Door was wide open. That's another thing. You come to my show, you learn all kinds of stuff. Did you know Sinatra tried to commit suicide twice over the No, I had no idea. That's that doesn't right. make sense. That's true. Over Nelson, Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner. He cut his wrist once, and Nelson Riddle saved him when he was living in, this is true, over in the, the he had a, in Palm Springs at his house. Yeah. Because he was out of his fucking mind about Ava Gardner. Yeah. And she was a fucking whore slut. Yeah. She was just like a guy. She Did you fuck her? No, 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 no. But, I, you know, I fucked Lauren Bacall in 72. Did you really? I really did. Nine, nine of a hundred stars yeah. in New York City. Yeah. Nine of a thousand stars. Yeah. She was there. I was on the bill. She was on the bill. In this 1972? How old she was she then? I don't know. But it's she before was pretty her hot face, still? Before her face yeah, fell. Right. Before the face fell. How did how did you end up fucking Lauren Bacall? She I mean, was drunk. We... She was drunk. And I was, I was pacing her all night. I kept thinking bogey and everything. And I was drinking. Yeah. And she was easy. I'm telling you. She was there. There's all these stars. Yeah. Nobody was paying... Because yeah. she was, those days were over. Sure, sure. So she wasn't getting much. So I was, yeah. I played into it. Like, yeah, hey, tell yeah, me bogey. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah, beautiful yeah. and whatnot. And I fucked her. And guess this. This is the first time I ever fucked a chick in the asshole. Really? Yeah, she did you, the Did asshole. you say, did bogey do it like this? Or no, I didn't like, say that. Hey, I don't want to be insulted to her. You know? Uh, yes. You know, but I, I, but, but I said... <laughs> I said to her... Was she awake when he fucked her? The, the, the first time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the second, second the, third time she well, was the, not. Since you're in a gossipy yeah, mood, yeah, I mean, what, who were yeah. some of the other stars? That, you know, Shelly Winters, anything? No, 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 no. But Shelly, you know, Shelly fucked up Bobby De Niro, for yeah. real. No, that, I that, That's how De Niro As opposed to got, not for real? That's how De Niro met Scorsese. Is that true? Shelley, yeah, because Shelly Winters, he was yeah. taking Shelly at an acting class, the method acting class in New York City. Is that City. true? It's absolutely true. And then Mitzi Shore, he will fuck Richard Pryor for all. No, I know, yeah. So you know that? No, yeah. this is true. Yeah. All this fucking shit's true. So you know, you know all this stuff. Oh, so yeah, no I know all the dirt. I knew way before the Rosie O'Donnell thing. Yeah. Way before. Sure. And, I, mean, and I, I think that most people could assume that. Yeah, yeah. But I, what I don't get, she was she gets these hot chicks yeah. to live with. That right. marry her. That one Kelly. Yeah. And that fucking girl was hot. Yeah. How can you sit there and fuck hey, Rosie O'Donnell? Give me a fucking well, break, man. Well, I mean, well, you know, she's nice, right? Nice? Yeah. Come on. I'm that stinky pussy. Yeah. And you know what? She's a large woman. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, that, that, you, the crack you, of her ass, that's filthy, man. But you, That is caked up. With, no, that's filthy. Because she can't clean look, properly. Tony, it's not nice to say that well, stuff about Rosie. Well, you know, I'm, I, no, I'm just jealous because it takes a nice, hot girl off the market. Yeah. You know, I don't know from Rosie, but, I'm th- but I just can't understand that. Look at, do you remember Tom Arnold? He had to fuck Roseanne. Yeah. <laughs> Honest to fucking God. Yeah, listen, I, what I do, I drink. Yeah. If I want okay, people, all right, no, all right. listen. Yeah. Listen. What? I am, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm a drunk. 
Okay. You know what the difference is? What? You don't have to go to the meetings. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's let's pitch the show. I drink to forget all right. what it was. I forgot. All right. So the All right. So the okay. show So the shows are May thirty first, starting Thursday, May You're at the comedy store. Thirty first, the main room at the comedy store and every weekend after for every as long Thursday and Friday. Just Thursday and Friday. Nights. Every Thursday and Friday, starting May thirty first for as long as it takes for you to alienate fucking yeah, everybody. That's right. Hooker's there, we tell every kind of okay. joke. I'll tell Jew jokes, okay. I'll tell black jokes. I, yeah. Because I believe in freedom of speech. I understand that. I, I do. Yeah. I think when you start fucking, when you take that away, that's like the next thing is book burning. Sure, I I, I, I understand that. that. I, really I understand do. that. So I think you got to keep that going, and and everybody has a good time. Hey, that reminds me. Yeah. How do you get a gay guy to make love to a woman? Uh, how? Put shit in her pussy. Mm-hmm. All right, Tony Clifton. It was a pleasure to see you. Always funny, all right, my friend. And thank uh, you very much. All right, good. You take care of yourself. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> So that was an experience. It was a pleasure to meet the man, the myth, the uh, spontaneous, aggravated, whoremongering fuck that he is. He will be in the main room at the Comedy Store starting tonight, the 31st, uh, and he'll be doing uh, tomorrow as well on Thursdays and Fridays throughout the month for at least a month. But uh, if you haven't had that experience to see Tony Clifton, I would go do that. Now I'm I'm thrilled to bring uh, into the conversation my next guest. Uh, Craig Finn, who, unlike Tony Clifton, has also uh, been in the entertainment racket for a while. He's been around a while. Uh, the Hold Steady is his band. Uh, he's here uh, talking a little bit about that, about his solo record. He's going to play some songs or a song. And uh, look, I, I didn't know The Hold Steady. And a few years ago when Boys and Girls in America came out and I, I heard it, I was like, holy fuck, this is some earnest, real rock and roll these guys deliver these lyrics are great craig's a genius on the mic and then i had the pleasure of seeing them at south by southwest in a place an outdoor tent that must have 200 people in it and they just fucking rocked it i mean these are guys probably almost my age i I, maybe i shouldn't say that but they're not youngsters and they're out there delivering it real deep wise rock and roll and it was a thrill to talk to craig finn let's do that now There's uh, there's things I think you've probably read, Craig. Yeah, most likely. Uh, Sam Lipsight's book, The Ask, I see. That's a great I read book. That. That's a great one. I You're like, a fan of Sam? Yeah, I know Sam. He's great. I, I, I like both uh, Homeland a lot, too. That, that yeah, was yeah. an amazing premise. Love that guy. Yeah. Love him. But how about the old Beatnik books? Oh, uh, yeah. I've I picture, read almost all those. You have, right? Yeah, did, yeah. Did, I, I read, like, I've read pretty much, you know, at different parts of my life. I feel like the... The, those are weird though because I understand them way differently now than when I read them. Isn't that true? Yeah, like 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 which ones in particular have well, evolved? Even on, even on the road, like you know, it's like I read it when I was sixteen and I sort of fake liked it when it was important. Yeah, you thought you had to like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and then and then I kind of came to the point where I was like, I, I'm not sure I like that. But then I read it again, like in my early thirties, and I was like, this is actually really incredible. Kerouac had that weird rhythm thing with mm-hmm. language and stuff that you don't really, you know, when you first read it compulsively in college, like, I'm going to, these are rules to live by. <laughs> yeah. And you don't really get the language of it and, uh, and the way he wrote. 
he uh, and I, I I just found like as a touring musician on the road to be very interesting, and then this that sort of regionalism that doesn't exist anymore. You know, going of it. going to Denver was like going to the end of the world. Right, you know? and it had its own personality. <laughs> yeah, it was a unique place. Yeah, now everything's just like gutted. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of that was that's a fascinating part to me, and also the fact that. You know, Kerouac wasn't really like Ginsburg. He had that real traditional kind of like you know, he's into football and 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 his yeah, mom. he's like a jockey alcoholic from uh, from Lowell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that I get that too. Well, you do you know? get? Did you ever get that feeling? By the way, I'm talking to uh, Craig Finn, the uh, the lead singer of the Hold Steady, and he's also got his first uh, solo album out, which I had in front of me. What's it called again? Uh, Clear Heart, Full Eyes. Great. It's a great record. Thank you. Appreciate I listened it. to it yesterday. Awesome. They sent me, I think, three copies of it at different times. <laughs> we want to so, make sure you're so covered. So I, I have plenty of it. Good, good. Um, but the 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 weird thing about about Kerouac, once I got older and started to realize, is that he, in a way, got sucked into this thing. And, you know, he had this desire to write the great American novel, and then all of a sudden he's hanging around with Burroughs and Ginsburg, who I'm sure were trying to fuck him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and he ended up this weird, bitter, drunk. Living with his uh, with his mom in Florida. It, it, that part of the story is really hard to hard to. Look. The yeah. end of the road for Jack Kerouac was, did not follow through with the romantic expectations. Yeah, that we all no, had. no. But I like I like the idea that he, he you know he had this you know when you think about the, the angry writers that you know you know yeah. like they didn't have the option to be a football all American. No. So I like the idea that he was the football all American. He says, "Well, now I'm going to go do this." Yeah. That make that gives him a lot of credibility in my right. eyes yeah no i think there was a couple of those i mean burroughs was sort of a, a renegade intellect i mean he mm -hmm. seemed to be on the path to doing something uh different anyways sure. than what he ended up doing how much of an influence did that stuff have on your writing style well i mean i think that that that's certainly it um you know uh literary stuff it's it's you know it's there's songs and there's literature so they're, they're kind of different i certainly get a lot of ideas from books but you know there's still when you're writing a song it still kind of goes back to dylan and springsteen and all these people does it because you write when you when even when you read the lyrics in the new album they're written as paragraphs they're not really written as uh poems or stanzas well like i it's just sort of the way i hear them you know i try to present it that way and and honestly like if i wanted to write a song and i couldn't i'd start reading a book and eventually get to a part where it's like hey i felt that way too i'm gonna write a song about it I, that reminds me of this one thing that happened well i saw you guys in um where did i see it was weird it was small and i was surprised and i was excited it was after uh uh, the big record came out uh -huh. where you got all the attention. You got that kind of attention that I always wonder how artists uh, handle that. It's like, these guys have been kicking around forever, <laughs> and now finally, <laughs> here they are. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of like, when we, when we kind of broke through, a lot of people sort of... Uh, we're rooting for us, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. It's like the underdog. I could be that guy, you know. Or, right. Um, you know, you know, people believe they could be one of us, and so we sort of took on the hopes and dreams of some of our fans. Right. You're a fairly unassuming rock star. I am. I, I, I don't know. Rock star is a big word, but uh, right. unassuming I can get with. <laughs> I think. I think it was at South by Southwest. I saw you a couple years ago. Is okay. that possible? That's possible. Yeah. Definitely. Like in a real little tent. Yeah. Sure. Like a like a special show. Like mm -hmm. surprise, they're here. Yeah. And it was great. You, you guys definitely delivered it rock uh, it rocked out if i can say yeah, that yeah. you guys definitely rock giving yeah. giving your giving your heady and lyrical approach you definitely know how to kick some ass well thank you i think that's part of the you know the goal of the band when we started to make a smart rock and roll band uh-huh feels like you know half the a lot of the bands trade for one or the other right you know, it's either like grad school rock or it's just baby 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 
Right. The grad know. school rock thing is a very sort of, that's what I noticed. There's a select audience to indie rock that you can kind of see who they are. And then if too many people like you, then the, the people that are your core group are like, oh, fuck, they're big now. We're leaving. Yeah. But I noticed at your show, we were definitely next to some dudes that looked jockey yep. and looked like they were having a good time and hugging each other and you know just shy of really admitting who they were sexually <laughs> right there at a whole steady show. Those those are the good those are the good shows. I I always know it's a really good show. Sometimes I'll see guys that I know don't know each other mm-hmm. embracing by the end of the show, and I'm like, that was a good one. Yeah, we yeah, got those really, guys. Yeah. We got those guys together. And what do you now? You grew up where in Minneapolis. So all in Minneapolis. Yeah, and um, I I went to school in Boston and uh, college. Yeah, Boston College. You went to Boston College. Yeah. So you're a smart guy. Yeah. Well, try. Smart Catholic guy. <laughs> yeah, I was raised Catholic and 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 grew up in Minneapolis. But uh, I loved Boston. I mean, what years were you there? Was it was it, it still a rock town or was it fading? Eighty nine to ninety three. It wasn't great, honestly. No, it was a little over by then. Yeah, it was. It was pretty over. It was. It was. I mean, I I got out of there and moved back to Minneapolis because I wanted to start a band, and and Minneapolis had a, more going for it than Boston at that time. And when you got to Minneapolis, I mean, when you started, so you got you graduated college, and what was your degree in? Communications. One of those vague sort of. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> it's a, that is the broadest major in the world. Yeah, communications. What does that encompass? Anything? You know, yeah. TV, singing, yeah. uh, movies, Talking, <laughs> sign language. <laughs> yeah. do, do you remember what you studied? I mean, what were you, did you do? Anything in college? No, I didn't do much. I uh, I you know watched TV and drank beer and uh, I didn't you know it was it was it, it seems to me in in retrospect that. We go to college too early. I mean, I wasn't mature enough to. I think that's probably true. Like, 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 really, like, engage. Like, I, I even got okay grades, but like, I don't think my professors even knew who I was. I have the same feeling. Like, I did okay, but I don't know that if you were to ask me to write a paper today, I don't think I could write a paper that was structured properly. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I majored in English, but I think what I did was a lot of very engaged readings of things. <laughs> yeah. Like, I could never write a paper, but I could do a, some version of like, this stands a kicked ass. Right, right. And that would be it. I think the one thing was is you there there was like uh, you know at first I was I, I went back there a few years and I was walking t- across the quad and I saw these kids laying in the grass reading and I was like well I did do that all yeah. I did was read now I wasn't necessarily reading the books I was assigned yeah but I would lay there and read and so hey when are you going to get four years again to do that that's I, that's true but there's some things I wish I understood and I still don't understand <laughs> now and I'm not sure I could understand them without guidance yeah. Um, now, okay, the Catholic thing. I mean, you grew up with that pretty heavy, or it wasn't super heavy. I mean, we went to church on Sundays, but it wasn't like overbearing. I didn't go to Catholic high school or anything, but it was, you know, we, we definitely went every Sunday, and went on holy days, and uh, it was a part of, you know, who 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 we were. But it wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't. I, they never made me be an altar boy or anything like that. <laughs> Did you believe in hell? Uh, I had a hard time with this whole afterlife thing. I mean, the Catholic thing has kind of taken on this, you know, I have my own version of it in my yeah, head, yeah. and it probably wouldn't be approved by the Pope. It would um, it would be rejected, in fact. Well, it comes up a lot in your songs. I mean, yeah. you seem to, like, you know, use the Jesus imagery and some of the devil imagery, and I, I mean, I'm not, like, I, I, I'm all for that. I've got three or four books on the devil. I'm yeah. a very big fan of the devil. I think it's, uh, you know, it's just sort of how I understand struggle, especially, and, you know, sacrifice and struggle, I sort of of think of that's the one thing about temptation yeah temptation Sin. jesus 
uh, gets to me in that way. And you know, things like redemption and forgiveness are really beautiful concepts that I that that I can get behind. Now, there's other stuff, you know, that that you're like, wow, wow, I forgot about that. I didn't, punishment, yeah, yeah, the punishment, repression, uh, yeah. killing the people, that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. All that stuff is negative. I have to, I have to admit. Well, when you are, like, see, I get really, I'm, all I'm doing here is I'm, I just want to make sure I have a track listing for Boys and Girls in America because I, um, like, uh, that, that album, yeah, I kind of got on board with, the, I didn't know you before, mm-hmm. and it got a lot of press, yeah. and, like, and I'm not, like, I've tried to like Thin Lizzy in my life, and I definitely appreciate them, yeah. but, like, actually, your music was a portal to me to reappreciate Springsteen, <laughs> to reassess fucking thin lizzy but also just to take in the way you were writing about things and there was a poetry to it that really captured that the feeling of 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 you know of being drunk and being creative and having friends who die or get fucked up too much and in a very sort of visceral way it really kind of hit me with some things and i i guess i'm just uh sitting here telling you what what i think (laughs) of your record but i mean in terms of redemption and forgiveness and all that stuff i mean had how close are this uh, are the songs to your experience i mean they aren't one-to-one um but they are they are made up of things i've seen people i've known uh but they're composites and you know, if I wrote songs all about my own life, they'd be really boring songs. <laughs> really? Boy, you don't, uh, you're not out there living it? No, I mean, you know, not at my, I'm 40 years old and, uh, you know, not so much anymore. I mean, um, but I think that these, sort of these, it's a lot about this American experience. I mean, most, a lot of people, I, I always remember this, um, after the show, this guy came up and, to me and was like, man, we did the same things in Pittsburgh that you guys were doing in Minneapolis. And it's like driving around, drinking beers, listening to tunes, you know. Uh, yeah, that's an American experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's even though it's very specific, and I, I tend to use a lot of specific images, you're explaining something that, that a lot of people have felt. Well, I mean, growing up like that, especially you get your driver's, when I grew up, it was like 15, we got our driver's license. So that's sort of like, then you learn how to get people to buy you beer. Yep. And then you hit the road and listen. What were you listening to mostly when you were a kid? You know, it's funny, I, I always think that, I, oh, I was really into like punk and hardcore, and um, you know, I grew up in Minneapolis, so like things like the Replacements and Husker Du were very important to me. Did you see them? Yeah, yeah, saw those bands a um, lot, uh, quite a few times. Yeah, um, and that was a big deal. But I have to say, like when I got my driver's license at sixteen, there's that feeling of freedom, especially in a place like Minneapolis where you can't get anywhere without mm-hmm. a car. And there wasn't alternative rock radio. There wasn't, you know, Kurt Cobain yet. No. So man. there was classic rock. So I always think of driving with classic rock. And being at home listening to punk rock. Yeah, I, I, I sort of still do that because I'm finding that the classic rock, a lot of it was like just rock yeah. when we were kids. Right, right. I mean, you're 40, so the classic rock, that was sort of like the Zeppelin, you know, the sure. early 70s. But something must have happened. I mean, when did you graduate high school? 89. Oh, so that was kind of late, huh? Yeah, well, <laughs> it, was, it was right on time for me. <laughs> no, I mean, I was 81, so like I literally missed, you were at least in high school once punk got integrated as sort of like a uh, an archetype. Sure. Like when I was in in, uh, in high school, like New Wave sort of came, and then there was a couple of punks, but they weren't their own group. Right. So I missed that. So I guess when you were there, there were plenty of dudes doing that. There, there was an option. It was a subculture yeah. you could sign up for, for sure. <laughs> Did you have your card? No, your I, uh, my friend and I used to say we were as punk as you could get without your mom knowing about it <laughs> really yeah. so you couldn't go all out and yeah. hate your parents uh, and... i wasn't that i wasn't that maladjusted i kind of like just like the music but i was kind of like i was a pretty happy kid i couldn't get i couldn't get that angry that's why i think i was like more into the bands like the replacements and who's do than the 
than the black. I liked Black Flag and things like that, but I, you know, you couldn't find the, the I, anger. I, I you, couldn't find the anger. You, you didn't feel gypped by everything. And <laughs> I wasn't that alienated. I was kind of just like a normal dude, and I also liked like baseball and hockey. You did, oh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, it's, I just it's just kind of the music that appealed to me. Well, so I guess that's why that sometimes you know you feel like the the community around your music like it makes sense that those dudes were you know you were kind of a regular dude. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at Boston College, you know, there's plenty of those dudes, white baseball hat guys. But you didn't hate him no no there's some of them were my friends i mean yeah some of them were my friends <laughs> well that's all right you didn't hate them at all second guess yourself but there was definitely because i mean cobain was sort of like you know they don't understand yeah and it, i hate them for liking it and but I, I guess look where he ended up and you're 40 and fine. yeah yeah well I, I think there was like a moment and, and it was like when i was in college i I feel like when I saw Pavement, they yeah. made a lot of sense to me. They were like, kind of like looked like normal dudes that could go to like BC or somewhere like that. Yeah, who decided to have a band and it was a really good band, but it, they weren't like angry, you know? Right, right. They looked like they're kind of having fun and smirking a lot. And I think sometimes, like like with alt rock and with indie rock and all this stuff, is a lot of those those that those walls kind of melted. Like there just seems to be a, a lot more acceptance of different types of music. There's no sort of like fuck you. I mean, uh, within that community. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it used to be like you know, like even in the in the eighties, I felt like punk and metal were like. Yeah. light years away and they're gonna fight yeah they, you know <laughs> there's a mythic battle between <laughs> punk and metal yeah it was always threatening yeah so what what, what how many uh what kind of family did you grow up in like you you have well-adjusted grounded family yeah, i you know my parents are still married and uh wow a sister Jeez, congratulations or, i know it's sort of uh and um yeah you know it was it was pretty well adjusted pretty 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 what's, down your, the what's your old man do he was uh he was in finance. Oh yeah. Uh huh. He's retired now. But um uh so and they not a musical family. You know, parents had like I don't know like twenty five records maybe. You know, six of them were Christmas albums. <laughs> and uh, so what you know, no one played an instrument. Or, so but but they were very supportive. But yeah. um it wasn't like you know a lot of musicians I meet now. It's like oh yeah, my dad was playing with this. You know. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people. There's a lot of people I know that have grown up with around music and. I had a very supportive family, but it wasn't super musical. Well, what was so like when you were in high school, that was sort of the peak of uh, the Minneapolis yeah. rock scene. Yeah. So that was, you know, the the, the replacements, Husker Du. Soul Asylum. Soul Asylum. God, what happened to those guys? You ever see them around? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I had friends with them. They, you know, they, they had that big record and they, they continued to play. They're still a great band. So, and that was a big one. I mean, the replacements and Husker Du were one level up from Soul Asylum when I was growing up so like Soul Asylum was the, still the thing you could see a number of times a year and they were they were bigger than those bands they were a mainstream band really eventually, eventually yeah. yeah eventually and when you saw the replacements I mean what? how many times did you see them a lot I don't know, 10. Yeah? Was it in, was it like a good show? There was like definitely the good shows versus the bad shows? <laughs> there was the good shows versus the bad shows, but uh, when I first went to see them, I was, in, I was in ninth grade, and even their good show looked a little different than the show that I was used to seeing, you know? I mean, it was a little more chaotic and a little more um, drunken, and uh, but it was exciting. I mean, I, I there was this moment, what happened, this guy played, was, I was playing tennis with this kid, and I was in eight, somewhere before eighth grade. Definitely not punk rock. And uh, no, and he <laughs> and he told me um, I was telling him how I liked the Ramones, and he's like, "If you like the Ramones, my sister knows these guys, and they're called the Replacements, and they have a record out. You know, they had a record, one record. Yeah, well, they yeah. had a couple, but you yeah. know, he was like, like that was a big deal. I was like, I know someone who knows someone who has a record out. Right, I gotta right. go get it. Yeah. So I went and got it. it was Hoot Nanny by the Replacements, and um, and then I saw him a little later, and um, I was just amazed that. 
they, you know, like, like rock and roll dudes to me up until that point were like Steven Tyler and they descended from like some rock mountain somewhere. Sure, sure. They were not people I knew. Yeah, right. They didn't look like people right. I knew. And that replacements, that was really exciting because there's a great rock and roll band, but they, they looked like dudes you knew. Yeah, just like, you know, they looked the same on stage and off stage. Yeah. And do you know, have you, uh, do you know Westerberg? No, I don't know him. I've met him um, and I've met Tommy Stinson. I don't really know any of those guys, but I've certainly met him and, uh, um, you know, they're still, they're still my favorite band and uh, still heroes to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was sad when uh, when Bob died, right? It was sad. I, that was when I right after college, and I'd moved back to Minneapolis, and uh, it was sad because you know you see like you know he was part of something that was really cool, and and, you and know, his that, sound was so specific. And he and his I mean his guitar playing is is, is incredible. There's there's YouTube footage that you can see from 1981 that's some of the best stuff on YouTube. I think if you from the Seventh Street entry when you write when you write these songs about. You know, because like I like I get that feeling. Like, did that did his death have an effect on you? Because there seems to be in, in some of your songs, there's kind of like a, a sort of poetic heaviness around people's inability to get hold of themselves. Well, that's I mean, there's the whole new record. There's a lot of stuff about you know this really terrifying aspect of adulthood when you know what your problems are, but you can't fix them or help them. You know, and you're self-aware to say, God, these are my problems, but man, I'm doing it again. Yeah. And that's terrifying, right? It's also human. It's Very terrifying. human. <laughs> yeah. It's both. It's both. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm kind of fascinated by. Well, some guy brought it up to me that uh, this guy, Chris Hedges, who's a writer, and you know, he when he, he talks about sin yeah what he he basically says is that uh it that's just a by by how that's how we judge ourselves it's not that we're ever going to get over any of those things right <laughs> it, you just have to temper them enough to behave properly on some level sure. i mean i'm i'm paraphrasing him but the idea of sin was not to create some template to perfect the human being right right it's sort of a way to keep score <laughs> well it's sort of a way to sort of like well this this is one of them yep yeah <laughs> and then clearly i'm having some issues with it i hope i can manage it so i don't get that big or that sick or whatever right right well what what do you wrestle with on a day-to-day basis that inspires this stuff um at 40 when did these geez, changes start to i don't know just the way you deal with your relationships and, yeah you know like um what you know your, your whole life your life are you, you married know? no no mm-hmm. i'm divorced and uh i live with my girlfriend though and uh i'm just starting know. that yeah how's it going I, well, you know, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a couple years in, so I've, there's some of the fears have gone away. How long were you married? Uh, seven years. See, I was, I was, and you were with her for what? Uh, Ten, yeah, 12, right. Yeah. Like I was with the. Oh, I've been married twice. I uh-huh. got no. You have kids? No, no kids. Yeah, me neither. And uh, the, like I married one woman, then I and then uh, I left her for another woman, and then she left me, and it's just fucking devastating. How was your divorce? Was it? It was hard. It was hard. You know, it's it's it, it was um it was complex and uh. But you know, it was it was heartbreaks a bitch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you get you get better, you know. You get, no, you, you do, you do. But like, I mean, I'm hearing what you're talking about. It's like there's some when your heart really gets fucking broken, you know, whether you you chose it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, rebounding is is questionable when you're <laughs> in the middle of it. But when you do get when you do get through it, you you're you're kind of humbled in, in a way. It's one of these things that it sort of defines you, you know, no matter what. Now I'm at a point where I can I can joke about it. And in fact, like we were down in um, Texas, and uh, when, before I made this record, I went with the producer, and I was listening to um, country music on the radio because I was in Texas. General country music, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. like, and uh, there was a song called. Um, I'm going through the big D and I don't mean Dallas. And I was like, I want to make a divorce record. 
<laughs> with it with a with a little humor yeah yeah with a little, yeah that's be, the thing you get a little you get to be able to like at least smile at a little bit you know and i you know uh i certainly w- wish everyone involved the uh the best um but but it's painful and it sort of defines who you are as a person right because you're at that crossroads where it's like either i'm going to be bitter and spiteful Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, and, and then you just like the fortunate thing about being older is like, do you really have energy for that shit? I mean, to sort of like, fuck you, fuck this. No. I'm never going to open my heart again. You got to open it up again. It just happens, you, you know. Eventually, yeah. You 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 just got to be, uh, yeah, yeah. You can't have you can't that that negative energy is that that helps no one, especially yourself. Yeah, it's, and everyone sees it. And you're walking <laughs> around like, oh no, you're either sad or pissed off. And, yeah, yeah. It's just it's not it's not it's not good. But you know, I mean, everyone's got sort of their things right i mean you know like yeah. whether it be like big car accident or yeah. <laughs> divorce or yeah. you know everyone's yeah. at the, you, know, you know by the time you get to 40 you've got like one or two events that kind sure. of are your thing if you made it that far you've got a couple yeah yeah, yeah. Wh- whatever they are you, you live through something yeah now how long like how many bands have you been in well i mean re- i was in a band called lifter puller in minneapolis for a number of years and then this band holds steady and then the solo thing i was in a couple bands when i was in a uh, high school but and in college but like you know None that played probably more than ten shows or something. But the first band, the Lifter Puller. Mm-hmm. Now, how many did you guys put out records? Yeah, like four. Um, really? And and we we were we tried it. We were we got to be decent sized in Minneapolis, but we couldn't kind of get out of there. Um, we we try to go on tour, and no one would show up anywhere else. So I, um, I know that feeling. It was exhausting. <laughs> it got kind of exhausting, but um, but I mean, it was still it was a great band. It was a lot of fun, and um, you know. But was, were, did you ever get to those points where you know I imagine you you did where you're just sort of like, oh fuck. Well, I mean, yeah. I moved to New York when I was 29, and I thought I was done with playing music. You quit Lifter Puller. Yeah, you well, broke up. Yeah, we broke up, and like a month later, I moved to New York, and I was like, I'm I'm just gonna be um. I'm I'm just gonna be a dude, you know. Like I'm just gonna I'm not you gonna get a be job a in communication. Yeah, exactly. I got a <laughs> job at an internet company. Uh, Did you? Yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, what well, was a music internet company? Um, right. But uh, so I was, and then uh, eventually I would, uh, started playing music, and we were having these bizarre conversations. Who were like, the guys that you met? In you met guys well, in one, New York. One guy was from Lifter Puller, and he'd moved out here to L.A., and then he moved to New York. So it was like it took about two years all in all. And yeah. Tad, uh, who was in the Hold Steady, and. We started talking about forming a band, and what we were talking about, like, we just wanted to start jamming in a space, but we weren't going to play shows or put out any records, right? And just just drink beer in Brooklyn and, or something, yeah. And uh, so we got the guys together, and we started doing that, and then we decided to play a show, and then we played about a thousand shows and did five records in seven years. So it kind of went off of our original plan, but it went it turned out pretty good. So there were what four records before Boys and Girls in America? Five records in Boys and Girls in America is the third of five. So wow, so so the two you did, you got like a loyal fan base, and mm-hmm. then that one just blew up. That one blew up. Were you surprised? I mean, were you like it's about time? I mean, no, I wasn't about like I was like I can't believe this. Um, and you know, what what what, do you, what converged on that record? They, I mean, do you think that it's your best record? Um, I'm not sure about that. Maybe um, I'd put it up there. I think that and the next one are probably tied. Um, Stay positive and boys and girls. But what I think, I don't know. It just sort of seemed like, you know, sometimes like I'm, I'm a firm believer in like the story, you know, and I felt like there was a story to be told. And I think a lot of what had happened in music up until around then, until then, there was a lot of, you know, things that were kind of um, really fashionable and, and, and um, dancey. Um, yeah, in the in the rock scene. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's like some non-fashionable older dudes 
playing this kind of like straight ahead Thin Lizzy Springsteen rock. Yeah. It was kind of like you could or you could sort of see you you were giving them the article they could write. Right. You're like it's half written. Sure. You just finish sure. it up. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You you had these great pot. You know the, the the sound of it was like you know it had some pace and it was it was raw in a way, but it, it was produced. But it, you could hear all the instruments. And it yeah. Was like, and it felt like there were guys playing this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was you know I think it it, it hit on some some things like you know the Springsteen Thin Lizzy whatever it is the sort of bar band thing. That do you was, like Springsteen a lot? I do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan. And Dylan. Yes, definitely Dylan. Um, all that stuff is, is especially Dylan. You know, the older you get, you just kind of keep going. You, there's so much of it to get into. It's, I, like, it's weird, right? You just keep going back, and and it changes for you're you. You're like, man, I didn't this record, you know, from the '80s or something. It might the production is a little weird, but these songs are still killer. Uh, like you know? Infidels is yeah, great. Infidels is the one I'm thinking of yeah. that I've just been stuck on. Lately. I know you can't. Get, I mean, and the production is kind of cool. It's a weird band. It's it's Wine Robbie, and then you got Mark Knopfler. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's perfect in and, a way. And and Mick Taylor, I think, is plays on it. Too. I I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's 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 an amazing amazing collection of songs. And yeah, uh, some of them are beautiful. The, I'm trying that, to remember what's on neighborhood there. bullies. Neighborhood kind of? bullies on there. Oh, and, sweetheart uh, like you. Sweetheart and, like you is awesome. Joker man. Joker man's good. Yep. And oh yeah, there. Did you? He's a Minnesota guy. Yeah, I didn't. We never. We never hung. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I. I've never really met anyone that hangs with Dylan. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that would be. One like I, I would maybe avoid. You yeah. know what I mean? What, what are you gonna say? <laughs> You're gonna say, "Hey man, thanks. I like your stuff. <laughs> Which stuff? <laughs> uh, you know, infidels. <laughs> the rest I can live without. Yeah, <laughs> I think you really peaked." <laughs> <laughs> do you, what do you think of him touring now? Have you seen him recently? I haven't seen him recently, but um, just because you know I tour so heavy, I don't I don't seek out big arena rock shows. In yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd love to. I'd love if there's some way to see him in some like you know, some way that wasn't hard to see him. See him, it would be amazing. Yeah, I just uh, I seen him. Uh, what did I see him? I saw him at uh, Bumper Shoot a couple years ago, and it's just very interesting because I've had this conversation with people before about he he, he can't need the money, right? Mm -mm. He just like wants to just kind of just live out there. And, <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because he's obviously become this strange character and he must see himself as a character. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not just Dylan, but the hat, the mustache. He sees himself as some sort of weird aging troubadour. And he seems to be actively managing his legacy, doesn't he? Like writing the book and stand on the road and, you know, well, dressing a certain yeah, way. Yeah. No. And it's definitely this reinvention, but it almost seems like his farewell in some weird yeah, way. Yeah. No, I mean, I think he want, he's he's going out, you know, he's, yeah. it's almost like. Did you read the book? Yeah. And what's well, mind blowing? Isn't it? It's almost like no one edited that book. He's it, like, no one could touch it. It was it was great, but there was things like you know, like there was the one part I can't remember, but he was pouring paint on his head to try to act like he was crazy, and I was like, I don't believe that version of the story. Yeah, there's a couple of versions in there. I thought that the first part where you know his like his remembering of the f folk scene in the '60s mm -hmm. in New York was great. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you get into like 40 pages of this magical chord progression that he invented. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. Like there was <laughs> <laughs> and you're sort of like, really? And he's like, no, this was the moment. And then I started listening to some of his records, and he does do something that is uniquely his on some of his slower songs with chords. Was and was what was the one where he kind of like went through the making of was it Oh Mercy on there? I, I can't remember which was one. Was one he yeah. did with Daniel Lanois? It kind of ended up with like, so no, we didn't really get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that's an exciting conclusion. <laughs> 
But what about the Beatles, man? Yeah, like I find myself listening to the Beatles again a yeah, lot. It's I, weird. I, I listen to the Beatles some. Um, I, I didn't have them as much in my life uh, when I was younger. How do you so avoid I mean, that? I don't know. I, I mean, I guess because it was punk, you know? And right. Then, uh, and then, and then uh, I wasn't like, I never was like became one of those freaky Beatles people. I, I certainly love them. I listen to their records, but I'm not the guy, you but know? But you have more of a pop sensibility than a like a straight up punk sensibility, no, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I- I, I think Lizzie's pretty pop. I've come back to- I, I came back in my 20s to classic rock pretty hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly the Stones. Um, Stones, right? Did yeah. you read the Keith? I don't, I, people I are Keith. yelling at me about that. Like, every guest I have on, I'm like, did you read the Keith Richards autobiography? Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. I didn't really believe mice were chewing through the wires to create all those fires. <laughs> no, I had a hard time with that part. <laughs> he frames things a little differently than, than probably really happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, the part, like, when he was just like, just like brothers with those Jamaican dudes he was playing with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a hard time with that part, too. Well, there's a lot of sort of, like, self-mythologizing <laughs> there. But the one thing you sort of realize at the beginning is, like, they were on top of their fucking game. At, at some point, no matter how fucked up he got towards the beginning, before he got really fucked up, you know, they were very calculating. Yeah. They they knew what they were doing. They were, like, he was calling John Lennon up and saying, you going to drop yours or can we drop ours? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that stuff to me is just amazing. Because he always figured he was completely incapacitated <laughs> for the entire run. I like the part where he kind of came back and said, okay, I'm ready to join in on the business again. And they're, and they're like, mm, we've done a pretty good run without you. I don't know if what are you, you're doing all right. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> he's got a chip on his shoulder about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's he's the model of it all. But like Springsteen, yeah. So like I like Springsteen, and and I understand why people love Springsteen. But I don't go back to him a lot. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah, I do. And I mean, the shows with Springsteen are just so much of it. I mean, they were really actually. You open for him. I've never opened for him. I oh. sang with him at Carnegie Hall one time. Um, really? Yeah, I did Rosalita, and uh, it was pretty exciting. It's uh, it was it was pretty awesome. We did a tribute. There's a tribute for charity, and a bunch of artists did Springsteen songs, and we did Atlantic City, and then. He came out somewhat unannounced, although we'd seen him in the building, so kind of knew it was coming. But you didn't know it was going to be you. And he said, you know, I want to bring the artists out so everyone gets on stage. And he kind of looks over and he's like, does anyone know the words to Rosalita? And I was like, I know the words to Rosalita. So, <laughs> so I sang a verse and then, you know, a couple other artists sang a verse. And then I got, then he kind of motioned me over and I finished it up. And uh, On the same mic? Uh, yeah, we were kind of on oh, the yeah? same mic. It was oh, pretty exciting. I and can't I, imagine that. And I got to do the whole part. You know, Papa says he knows it, which is kind of the best part of it. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So that's the part you want. Um, it was really exciting. But you were um, sharing a mic with Bruce, mm -hmm, singing mm -hmm. at the same time? Yeah, yeah. That um, must have been fucking mind-blowing. Yeah, it was, it was mind-blowing. I remember at one point I was like, is this happening? I said, Craig, don't think about that for another five minutes. Because <laughs> the song. Yeah, just try to get through the song and see what happens from there. And then, you know, it, it was funny because... Uh, when the night ended, I walked out through the stage doors and, um, you know, the doors open and everyone, and there's 300 people there waiting for him to walk from the side, from the stage doors to his car, or the car they have waiting. And everyone goes, oh, and then they're disappointed because yeah. that's only me. But I thought about, wow, that's such a weird thing. Like that guy, I was just singing with this dude and people are, there's 300 people out there just want to see him walk 12 feet. Well, he's got some weird uh, the, the stature and and the the sort of place he doesn't he's not very he doesn't talk a lot, no, yeah. And yeah. he's got that sort of like thing where he lives on stage and he's so emblematic of himself that that I think he's a real mystery to some people. The performances are really I mean they, I I I find them really emotional and. Uh, I think he could performs like no one else, you know. I mean, did, you try, did you draw a lot from that? Because yeah. like when I saw you, you kind of lean into it. I mean, you're definitely right up there. You're, yeah. you're pretty raw right there. Yeah, well, you're trying to take people through, you know, you, and 
try to get them down and then bring them all the way up, you know? And, and so there's this sort of like a structure to our shows, which I want people to to leave our shows feeling awesome. Elated. And that's, and that's what, you know, when spring, that's one thing I definitely, besides music that I took sort of from Springsteen. The build. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and but you know, because I remember kids when I was in college, or kids that liked him, they were like, "Yo, I went to the Springsteen show. It was three days long. <laughs> it was great. He played for nine hours." Yeah, you know, my girlfriend was uh, she's thirty three, so she 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 had like came into it differently, and she was suspicious about going to see Bruce. And uh, in what way? Because she was like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, right. Yeah, she kind of you know she knew him from a different era or something, and but like that's you know the show ended, and she just turned to me. And she's like. You know, he, I'm sorry about that. He's now my favorite artist. <laughs> like, like it just went all the way from, from you. You won that one. Yeah, like you can have this one. <laughs> yeah, you, that's good because I don't know where if you'd still be with her if she got done with that show and said, you know what, I don't like him. I like him even less. Now. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. Yeah, what a tedious <laughs> bore. Yeah. <laughs> By the third day, I thought it was fading, but it turned out. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> So the guys you travel with now, like I, I still like you know, there's some of the heartache of the songs. I mean, do you did you have to deal directly with with disasters and in terms of musicians, you know, kind of fading out on you or any of that? Uh, as far as the hold steady or yeah, or, um, you know, we all I think we you know when, when the, the era you're talking about, boys and girls in America, when that happened. I think we all kind of were like, they're going to take it away from us. We got to like, you know, everything that, you know, we got to go out every night. We got to party every night. And then we all ended up being kind of like exhausted, banged out, you know? So <laughs> you're older like, now. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, ah, oh. so, you know, everyone's, you know, we, we, we've, we've done pretty well, but you know, that everyone's had their, um, their ups and downs yeah. and, uh, we've, we've, you know, we've had a slight lineup changes, but for the most part, it's been pretty great. I think, I think despite the fact that I, you know, we did have a period where we were going pretty hard, I think on not, the road, yeah. Waiting but, for it to, to being 33 when it hits or 35 or whatever it was gives you a little more perspective than if it was 21. I mean, if you got, it, it's hard to imagine. You, you, know, you know that know. people have gone down and, and yeah. that, you know, that the road is dangerous. And what what is it specifically? I mean, because I, I mean, I know that it's a lot more comfortable to tour on the road now and certainly as a, as a band that has some momentum. But, but what do you think uh, it is about the road that is so wearing on people's uh, ability to keep their shit together? I think just being around people all the time. I think, you know having some sort of comfort of just like you know locking your door and staying in for the evening is, sure yeah can really reset i mean like one night at home can kind of get you back right after a 30-day tour it yeah. only takes like one night at home where it's where like where you can just cook okay, a now, hamburger yeah i feel human now you know um so <laughs> I, I, think, I guess that's true and there's just so much downtime and there is uh you, you know on the and, road yeah and the rock and roll thing there's also a lot of booze around and you come off a stage and you know if you play a good show you're elated as i said and it's midnight you're not going to bed at no, one for, you're no, going to you bed f at four at best sure it's just to come down and then there's a lot of booze around yeah you know so, you drink a lot uh no i drink beer mainly um yeah. but you know i mean we, there is definitely a drinking culture around the hold steady shows and uh is there i can't now at this point I, I i have to really kind of worry about my voice and staying healthy on the road so i can't drink before or during the show really so it used to be i drink you know yeah 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 and, people uh, sending you yeah, drinks yeah and... throwing shots yeah, on yeah. stage now it's like i can't do that or i'll lose my voice or i'll just kind of I'll, I'll fade out so now when a guy does a a solo project away from the rest of the crew mm -hmm. i mean how does that what's the negotiation around that in terms of like hey you guys 
Uh, I like you. But how many Hold Steady people are on the solo album? None. Um, really? None. So, but I, well, I went to Austin to make it. It does I, sound I, different. I got out of town to make it. Yeah, I wanted to do something quieter. The Hold Steady's a really, really loud band. Right. And I, you know, I don't really write any music for the Hold Steady. I just write the words. So, you know, I wanted to do something where I wasn't kind of com- just for once that wasn't kind of competing with volume, you know, uh-huh. um, and really getting through, really connecting, because that's what I'm trying to do. Um, so I wanted to do something like that, and it was, uh, you know, so it was the, I went down to Austin and did it down there. So um, the producer put together the band. I never met any of the people who played on the record. Really? I just walked in, shook their hands. But you wrote the words and music for yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, really basic chords, kind of. And then the band, I sort of said, like, I'm going to play the songs. You guys play what you're feeling. Yeah, and you, and you just kind of did it in a few takes, or yeah, we did. We did. I met them on a Monday morning, and by Friday night, we had fourteen songs recorded. So it was pretty much nothing's more than a third take. It was real loose, you know, kind of. You play quieter, and I say the one thing that's different. I think about this record than a lot of records that come out this year is I sang the vocals all live, you know, in a room. It was us just captured playing songs. See, that's a great way to record. And, I, and from my understanding, having you know, not being a music guy, a lot of people don't record like that necessarily. Yeah, well, I think the big thing is, you know, I'd step up to the mic and the band would kind of back down because I'd be singing. And, and you'd I'd, capture that? Yeah, and then yeah. I'd step away from the mic and they'd, they'd get louder. And they were all Austin Session guys? Well, uh, yeah, Session, you know, the producer kind of put them together. Who produced it? Uh, a guy named Mike McCarthy who's done records like by Spoon, uh, Trail of Dead, Heartless Bastards. And he, he put together the band and it's, he'd put together a really fascinating band. Good were they band. Austin? guys yeah all austin people yeah there's a big music culture down there man. yeah it's cool it's been fun i've got to spend a lot of time down there this year it's it is cool right yeah it's got its own thing it's like uh it's like a i i think i refer to it as some sort of you know hipster alamo <laughs> that like you know they're surrounded by the rest of texas <laughs> it's to, an oasis yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have to defend that thing so um well what's your favorite springsteen album then like like I don't know. I mean, it goes back and forth, but I guess darkness, um, right, uh, is is the one because I'm really into this idea of like nowadays, you know, and I think of of of, of an artist who keeps going and starts writing songs about adults, and that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm I'm in the same boat with comedy. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. adult comedy. Well, I mean, in the I sense mean, that like there's such a uh, a a push to to sell to younger people, right. And and that if you want to be successful in in the general business, you know, if you want to make other people money, they're like, well, you got to sell a lot of records and you got to sell it to these fifteen year olds, right? Yeah. And after a certain point, you, you look at yourself and you're like, what, if they're not going to look at me like a novelty or a freak, I mean, what <laughs> what am I going to do for fifteen year olds? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's one thing I'm very I really like about being in the whole steady is. When I come off stage, I meet our fans. The majority of them I can talk to about like books and yeah. things like that. I always wonder about like you know if I was in one of these um, you know pop punk bands, and you played the Warp tour, and right. then you got off stage and it was like fifteen year olds. <laughs> you guys are great, man. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. cool. You're in eighth grade. You're scaring me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and well, you always get those sensitive kids that are sort of like, I get it, man. Yeah. I well, and you know, look, I, I like the kids who come to our shows, but it is nice to have sort of an, an adult dialogue with your fans. But it also seems that there's a few bands doing that now there are bands that have have uh you know sort of gotten older but there's like um the national those guys aren't kids no no and they're and that's a perfect example i think they're making adult rock music yeah you know, i mean and, there's... And not in a bad way i don't mean that to be disparaging i mean they're, they're they make intelligent music right. for rock and roll fans and i guess the big fear on behalf of the business but it just seemed to be affecting you is that you know i think the models are changing like the the real the the fear is is sort of like well adults have kids and they got to find a sitter so how are they going to get out to the shows yeah well, you know but they come you yeah. know they they make time they'll get there i mean you know you have to make you have to you can't 
you know, I mean, I think you maybe have to make like little um, changes in your own thing. Maybe not going on at midnight is a good idea if you're going right. to try yeah. to play for adults. Who do you have open for you generally? Uh, it depends tour to tour. It's never, it's never, uh, you know, it's just whatever bands we, we want. We try to change it up just to do something different every time. But, and when you were coming up, who were uh, some of the people you opened for? Oh, God, we haven't opened up for a lot of bands. Well, the, the only two... Real big support tours we did were the Counting Crows over in England uh, a few years back and also did some dates with Dave Matthews. And those are interesting, especially you kind of learn things from, you know, it's, that's that's the biggest thing. I don't know if... What did you to, learn from Dave Matthews? Because I'm still trying to learn how to appreciate him. <laughs> Here's what I learned <laughs> is that if you can get sell tickets... If you can get people walking into your show 30 at a time, yeah. you're doing good business. <laughs> you know? It's like there's two guys who really want to go, and they just brought their 28 friends. Right. You know? Well, he's got sort of that weird... Uh, I Like, I could never lock into him as a personality. Like, so I seem to need a little more personality in my front men. Yeah, well... And I don't quite get the... I mean, I know he's a great musician. He's got a great band, but I maybe I just missed it. People have a lot of fun at those shows. That's, and, I guess, um, is the thing. And uh, But yeah, but opening for him, there's a lot of those people having fu- are having fun in the parking lot so right uh it's so hard to know how, how much he can half, is, half an arena full uh half yeah. would be half would be good yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, i don't know how you guys do that i really don't i mean outside of knowing that you guys are together up there and you can at least have fun with each other well that's what i think about the comedy thing like that's i mean at worst comes to worst there's five of us hanging out yeah right, we yeah. load out and go have a beer and it's like sure we got your friends around your best friends and you can still play a great show yeah and, and appreciate it when you're just a comic and there's half a house it's going to be a different <laughs> then experience. you go back to the hotel and sort of <laughs> see you just wait for the one person to come up and go i really like that no, yeah thank god you want to hang out <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean there's there's those and, and you know sometimes we just played a show on the solo tour in oklahoma city that yeah. was like uh but you know the people were so thankful and nice yeah that now by the end of the night i was like i'm glad we did this you know so but you know sometimes you have those nights but sometimes the audience member can say something that just makes you feel like this is good this is good. Oh yeah, you, you, and and sometimes you're ha- kind of hanging around waiting for, them. <laughs> <laughs> standing by the door. Yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, he sells his own merch. No, I'm just, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What when you tour though? I mean, since it, like you, you're sort of touted as a you know a working band and 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 you know you're out there hitting it. I mean, do you find uh, that what we were talking about before that kind of uh, diminishing of the you know the uniqueness of cities and 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 uh you know regions as being sort of heartbreaking yeah i mean you know it's hard it's hard to know what i'm comparing it to but it is there is a very like you know homogenous thing you yeah. see these it's hard to find places. indigenous food like, yeah you know, like every time i go somewhere it's like is there a place it's not every other place yeah you sort of see the same things the the, the, the college towns are also have that like real weird um archetype you know like you'll start to see that there's going to be a pita pit and a sure. mellow mushroom and you know like <laughs> some version like, of that yeah, it's, yeah. wow this, here we are college town you know <laughs> with their own franchises <laughs> yeah uh, and, the, and the indie record store yeah yeah, yeah. well do you want to do a song or two from the record yeah, let's or what? do a song or something all right let me uh let me set you up cool yeah Someone saw something just east of here A 
I came up on the western pier There's one thing you should know about Christ is watching me right now Someone saw something and they shot it down Spent seven months in another town The night I'd walk down on the beach One night I saw them watching me They roll up They put the cuffs on then they drove me Deep into the valley The just judge Looked me over Said I'm sorry You don't have to keep running But you best be leaving can't take away all the parts of you and make you do the things you do the girls that live inside my heart keep coming up the boulevard Roll up, they pledge the loving, then they drive you halfway to breakdown. The just judge looked me over, said, I'm sorry, love's been such a letdown. Let's proceed with the shakedown. Jesus is a judge, and he's kind, and he's just. Forgives us for our avarice and lust. And I don't even know what's east of here. I came up on the Western Pier. Awesome. That sounded that sounded great. Cool. Yeah. Glad you liked. So that is on the new album. Yep. And that's a solo album. Clear Heart, Full Eyes. That's uh, Craig Finn singing. And now the 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 when you titled an album Stay Positive <laughs> <laughs> Where where did that come from exactly? Well, actually, I mean, where it came from is uh, 
So the reason I started signing when people asked me for my autograph, I started signing "Stay Positive, Craig Finn," <laughs> and then, you know, it's like I got it. There's a weird dark humor in that for some. You know, I mean, when when do you say "Stay Positive" when things are going awesome? Probably not. It's like, come on, let's stay positive here. Well, what do you feel when like because I have this weird issue with with people that are uh, act positive. Like that act positive? Well, you know, sort of like, everything's good, man. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. yeah, no, that's my least favorite phrase. But I do, I mean, I do try to find optimism and positivity. I mean, I think that's, that's like something that I, I, I strive for. But <laughs> I sort of go up what you mean. Like saying, it's all good, man. Yeah. That's not, it's not all good. No, it, but I think that what you're doing, and like the more, like even just listening to that song and, and talking to you for a little while, that the idea of embracing the, the sort of uh, the faults and, and broken desires of people <laughs> Uh, but also celebrating it uh, that, y- you know, you you do have um, acceptance anyways. Yeah, embracing the struggle. You yeah. know, saying like, man, this is going to be hard. Yeah. This yeah. is probably going to suck. But yeah. <laughs> but then you really enjoy those nice moments that you find sometimes in the middle. Isn't that weird? Right as you get older, it's like, wow, a lot of things are easier. But some just got really hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, some of those things, yeah, like. But, I know, some things get easier, too. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day about I moved to New York 11 years ago. And, like. I used to, my first year, I used to get on the subway and end up everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I, I just don't, I, 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 or it would always get stuck. It, yeah. it always was like conspiring against right. me. Now, that's something that's just gotten, I can get around now and I show up on time places and it's, I'm not, I don't know if anything's changed. I've just sort of, things happen easier. But yeah. then, of course, there's things that with age get harder. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I I'm, I think we're both in that zone where like fortunately that hasn't quite, you know, that the unstoppable thing, <laughs> you know, the things that sort of like, oh, that's probably going to happen if I'm lucky. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, 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 there's 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 other there's this thing though that like, you know, I I just turned 30 or 40 this year, but like, you know, if I look, I certainly like my 30s better than I like my 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, the 20s I found terrifying and or just sort of like Lame, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's sort of like, who am I? How do I fit in? What's yeah. going to happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. Why don't I have a handle on this shit? <laughs> yeah. And and in your thirties, you actually like you're like, wow, I oh, hit a little yeah. stride. Yeah, you know? I'm doing okay. Yeah. And now the forties, like, uh, there this is actually the best time I've ever had. I feel like I finally arrived in my skin. Yeah, yeah. I sort of feel that same way too. Like it's all going to be. I feel like it's going to be okay, even though it's not, it's not all good. Those are two different things, right? Are you one of those people that like I feel that like I'm like, well, I'm, I'm I can accept myself, but that that's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like I can accept myself. I feel like I can, I've can. i gotten to a point where it's like, look, I'm going to do my best, and I'll, I'll tell you guys I'm going to do my best. But, you know, look, you know. Yeah. There's going to be some shortcomings, too. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me, Craig. Oh, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. What a lovely guy. What a great song. Craig Finn, I, it, was a, it was a treat, man. It was a real treat. Hey, Boomer, you know what, Boomer? Stay the fuck out. How about doing me that favor? Your presence is in here already in the smell. There's the Nog Champa, very nice, and then just a hint of your pee, you fuck. I love you, though. I love you. Let's not, let's not make it awkward. He's not even in here. That's the weird thing. I'm talking to an open door. All right. As always, Pow, look out. I just shit my pants. Go to justcoffee.coop or wtfpod.com. Pick up a bag of WTF blend and I get a little on the back end of that deal. Go to wtfpod.com for all of your WTF needs. We've got the new Hot Rod Coop shirts. We've got the old shirts. We've got posters. 
We got the app so you can find out what, who's been on the show. Check the episode guide out. Get on the mailing list. Leave a comment. Don't be a dick. Kick in a few shekels. That still helps out. All that stuff. Get on the mailing list. Did I say that already? I send out an email every week. I write a new thing to you people every week if you get on the email list. And it's just me talking, you know, giving you a heads up. What's going on? How's everything? What's up with the cats? Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. 